Hi, I'm Fran Whitlock, and you're listening to Community, the Ecovillage podcast from Gen Europe, the European Ecovillage Network. This is a special episode of the Community podcast. You can usually expect a new episode every two weeks, but when we heard about today's story, we knew that this was something we wanted to get out there as soon as possible. It was completely green, sparsely constructed buildings, um, mainly built with, um, with earth, with cob, mainly built with grass roofs and sometimes sheets of zinc. Of course, it had, like everywhere else in Africa maybe, red earth. And you worked on bare earth and not tarred roads. But also it, it was quite cold. It's a very cold uh, part of, of Cameroon because of the highlands and, and the community was in, in a small valley, very close to the airport. And I actually liked the view, like when you're flying to the airport, the local airport in Bamenda, you could see this, this, this greenery, this community. That's Sunita Mba talking about the eco-village she founded in her home country of Cameroon. Sunita is an award-winning activist, educator and youth advocate who's been deeply involved in the global eco-village movement in Africa and worldwide for many years. She's an eco-village founder and amongst many other things works with Better World Cameroon, an NGO dedicated to empowering people through organic agriculture, using indigenous knowledge and promoting cultural and youth exchange. Barefoot Eco-Village, the community and learning centre she helped found, is a leading light in the global eco-village movement, winning international awards and recognition for its work with what they call permaculture the African way, supporting youth entrepreneurship and adult education. Earlier this month, Sunita, who's now in Europe, got a message from the project she so dearly loved back home. A couple of weeks ago, I, I received a message, which was a video. I received a video on the 12th of January that the Bafut eco-village has been burnt down and all the structures were destroyed um, and that the military arrived um, in the community and went to the village and burnt everything down. Today on Community, we'll be hearing from Sunita about her journey into creating one of Africa's most inspiring eco-villages and the unreported tragedy of Cameroon's civil war. Yes, I am Sonita Mba from Cameroon, and I worked for many years um, in, with Better World Cameroon and as the Bafut Eco-Village, and also worked as um, Executive Secretary for the Global Eco-Village Network of Africa. Yeah, and I've been working equally with young people across the world, working with UN processes and yeah, serving my purpose in this life with bringing the voice of young people into the world. So what inspired her journey into eco-village living? Um, first of all, I was, I was going to the university like every other young person and I got ingrained in the university and realized there were a lot of challenges within, within the system mainly because young people um, were kind of lost. I was one of them. We were kind of lost. We couldn't find our way in the system. And, and so I got really pissed off with my, with my friends in the university, but I also got pissed off um, not realizing that the system was meant to be. 
and and so when I got involved with Better World Cameroon when I was still in the university, I realized that there are patterns that we are living and these patterns, most of them have also come from colonialism and they are ingrained in our education and, and that we could reframe or reshape our thinking um, or remodel our thinking by engaging with communities, starting to learn new new ways of living. Since 2009, she's been involved in Better World Cameroon, took an eco-village design education course in Germany and learned permaculture and community design, which she took home to Cameroon, where she started sharing the skills she'd learned with her peers and in schools. I felt that, like myself, most other young people were uprooted, that we were uprooted from our roots. And in our roots, grounded in our culture, tradition, um, on the land and working on the land, and this is also partly because we did not grow up understanding that agriculture is something we love because it was just sheer hard work. And, and for that reason, we grew up hating agriculture, moving away from agriculture. It did not make our parents rich. So we were not excited. I was not excited about agriculture. But I saw from permaculture that it is just one of the ways to connect to our roots, to connect again to our ancestors. And, and this is was also like a journey of finding myself and supporting other young people to reconnect, reconnect to the earth, um, reconnect to their lifestyles, eco-lifestyles, and reconnect to community and community living. And yeah, that's, that's really how I got, I got involved and, and found like a pathway to rediscovering myself, empowering myself, but in that process also empowering other young people and communities. And what was it like coming back from, for example, the Eco-Village Design Education course in Germany, coming back to Cameroon and talking to your friends, your peers, other young people at home, talking about these experiences? Um, what was the reaction when you were telling people about this? It was very, very strange. This is, of course, first of all, because we, we, we grew up not, not used to alternative ways. So... We have to struggle to survive and that's it. And first of all, to just go to Germany and return. They don't care what you return. We go to Germany and return back to Cameroon. Why the hell did you do that? She says it wasn't easy to convince her peers that returning to the land and learning permaculture skills was something worthwhile. But thanks to her passion and her work with Better World Cameroon, she eventually became part of the team founding Baffert Eco Village. Yeah, it was a dream come true because communities in Cameroon, in Africa, they are already living eco-villages. These are traditional communities with long-standing evidence of social work and connection and design. Even though they're living it unconsciously, I realized that this is, this is an existing system. It is not something we're recreating. We're just integrating. And so coming back, um, to an eco village, which I I actually got got uh, I actually started, uh, because I was part of Better World Cameroon, and Better World Cameroon had the vision to to support communities and to ensure that um, it could empower young people to gain the skills needed to to survive um, in the twenty first century in the world that is constantly changing, to be able to have jobs because we went through schools without any 
practical learning experiences. But also it wanted to have a demonstration site where it could do at a small scale sustainable community living practices and then it could further build on that into a larger frame of an eco-commune of Bafut. And this was quite exciting, um, where we started in a tiny little community called Bawum um, in Bafut, and Bafut is in the northwest region of Cameroon. And we started in 2012, start designing this demonstration site, this learning center. And yeah, it's, it was just, just in this tiny little, little place, but it was surrounded by 53 other communities, which make the larger Bafut, Bafut municipality. And we were working in this community with, uh, which had about uh, 600 people and was part of a, of a larger commune of over 30,000 people from Bafut. And, and like I already said, it, it was a place where we started to implement ecological building and connecting indigenous knowledge system with adapted technology from from across the world um, where we even had an architect that came from germany working with local women um, on cob on straw from the environment from the local place in in, in bafut to build houses and this actually empowered women um, to see that they could also do agriculture in a different way so we started with an activity that people were super interested in in construction in construction done by women but aside from that, we carried out a lot of um, agriculture work and working with high-value agricultural products, um, planting and integrating traditional staple crops with high-value products like Moringa that could earn or bring more money um, for communities. And, and these, these little steps were further ingrained in the larger community, so then we took those this knowledge and skills and brought them into the 53 other communities where we started to transition together with the Bafut uh, municipality and the mayor of Bafut um, through renewable energy systems like biogas systems and sustainable agriculture, permaculture systems and ecological building further into the 53 other communities. And this was a process um, that was uh, going to create later on a transition into an eco-commune of Bafut. I just want to add that what I what I really, really enjoyed in this process was the web of people that, that came into this space. That suddenly a space that was just sitting there, this piece of land without anything on it, was just like was just like dead. And then once we started to put life into this space, into this learning center, then there were more than 50 volunteers coming from across the world, working with love, together with young people from, from Cameroon, coming from all over the 10 regions in Cameroon to work with different young people in this exchange of culture, but also this exchange of learning systems and learning processes that young people started gaining skills in, this, in these different fields um, was really, really touching. And the number of trainings we did and the number of workshops we did with different schools that came to learn practical skills and construction, agriculture, and social structures was, was really, really thrilling. Until today, I still receive messages of people saying, I am thrilled. I am proud of being a Bafut. You co-founded Bafut Eco Village in, is it 2013? Is that right? 2012. 2012. And so you were in this process of creating this learning center, experimenting with agriculture, bringing in the 
local people. Um, but then in things, I guess things began to change. Can you tell us about what sort of the recent history of Cameroon um, and the war and when that started? Yep. So the war started as a spark of protest in 2016. And this was mainly because Cameroon was colonized by the Britain and the French. It was first colonized by the Germans. And then after the First World War, the Germans um, lo lose to the British and the French. And so Cameroon was later on partitioned and it, a tiny little part, which is the southern part of Cameroon, was uh, connected to Nigeria and ruled by the British and the other part by the French. And after colonialism or the French part of Cameroon gained independence and the southern part of Cameroon that was connected to Nigeria did not necessarily gain independence, but um, voted to join Cameroon, like the French part of Cameroon again and became one nation and was reunified. And this is like the genesis of the, the, the protest, um, because since then, the people never became one people. Um, there was a, a mismatch of identity, um, a mismatch of language, of culture, and most people felt that um, they've gone to English schools and they speak English, while the other part of the country has gone to French schools, speak French, practicing a French culture. And so there, there were tensions and it was quite hard to bring, to bring these two together even politically, because uh, then we have one, one, um, one president and, and yeah, I mean, just to fast forward uh, a long story cut short, um, these tensions later on became uh, quite evident in the everyday life and that the people in the southern parts of Cameroon felt uh, discriminated um, by the larger whole and the larger whole means 80% of the population is French speaking. So uh, due to this, there was a demand for new reforms in the legal system, educational system, but reforms in the entire social structure, economic structure of the country. But these were not very well, well received by the government. And so military brutalized people already in the early days um, of the protest, and that slowly built um, into a massive war that has been ongoing since 2016. And this, has, this is a civil war that has been um, ongoing and every other thing in the southern part of Cameroon, the northwest and the, um, and the southwest of Cameroon have been caught up in this process in the last years. And so many people definitely have lost their lives, but also the Barfoot Eco Village got deeply affected because um, of high high insecurity, so many communities became abandoned and empty uh, because of the intense violence and so many uh, people fled into bushes, so many houses and villages were burnt down, so many people fled into Nigeria, over 50,000 refugees currently in, in refugee camps in Nigeria. But even worse than that, so many millions, over two to three millions of Cameroonians have been um, internally displaced and moved away from their homes. And there have been no school, um, no schools going on since 2016. So there's been intense level of um, yeah, illiteracy for, because our kids are not going to school. 
So, I mean, just this, just describing this, one can already perceive the ground layer of violence, um, ongoing violence, and, and the trauma sitting in, in this space. But working, having worked with communities and, and working in this process, it was quite hard to have been kicked out of a place that we have built, of Parfut Eco Village, where we have built with so much love. And so we got kicked out because of the violence and everyone relegated into the cities. And since then, it's been more, more violence and mass killings. Um, and even recently, there were a number of school children that were uh, massacred in, in, in the city of Kumba who were just um, sitting in class studying. Sunita has dedicated much of her work to helping her peers learn skills and find livelihoods, always with a focus on regeneration and climate resilience. This has surely got to be incredibly challenging in situations where life is on the line. There's a saying that when, when violence and conflict works in through the door, climate change just flies out through the window. Because there is intense need for survival, it became an emergency situation um, where it was beyond just being scared, but it was really like a fight for one's life. And, and in a process where, where there's almost no common ground, you, can, you either have to choose one or the other. And there's no fine line in between. And if you're sitting somewhere in between, then you're automatically attracted. And, and this is the place where you realize that your life is actually in your own hands. And I dove my heart day and night to the young people who are struggling to survive and to go through this, who have been made voluntarily to leave their homes, to leave, to leave everything behind and to go into a world of no return. And this is really, really devastating. I, I would say not only for us at the Bafut Eco Village, but the entire population, the young people who are sitting in prison, the thousands of them who are sitting in prison, not knowing when they would ever be released, the thousands of families who don't know where, they are, where their children are, whether they have been killed, whether they are in prison, or whether they fled, they don't know, nobody knows where who is. So it is really, really a devastating situation, and I am still unsure how, how Cameroonians are carrying this and living with hope day and night. So in amongst all this really tragic and devastating context, um, you got some really terrible news um, just a couple of weeks ago, I think. Can you tell us what happened? A couple of weeks ago, I, I received a message that, which was a video, I received a video on the 12th of January that the Bafut Eco Village has been burnt down and all the structures were destroyed and that the military arrived in the community and went to the village and burnt everything down. I could say it like this just so easily, but I think I went numb for hours because I could not believe and I still feel in my heart the love and passion, the hands that invested in this place the outcomes, the impact, the people that it empowered, the pride. It's unexplainable. I don't have, I don't know the reasons for this. Nobody knows. We didn't hear about what reasons and why the place was burned down. But yeah, it's been raised 
Bridgetown. Since its founding, Befoot has been an inspiration and a learning centre not only for local people, but for people and eco-village projects all around the world. And I think it's so important to highlight that this is both a local tragedy and a huge global loss. As a place of living, learning and culture exchange, this incredible place has really demonstrated what is possible in terms of engaging local communities, transitioning existing communities and economies into ecological ones, and being a beacon of peace in the most challenging of circumstances. We still believe and we're still determined because when there is life, there is hope. And we know that we can, we can, we can raise Bafut again, we can, we can build the community again because we are alive and we, we can dream to do that. And even though I forgot to mention already that Bafut has won quite a couple of awards, you know, it won the Eco Village um, Award as the outstanding eco, most outstanding eco village in Africa, um, the Gaia Awards, but it also won the Gender Just Climate Justice Award in 2017 for its incredible innovative rocket stove that has been empowering women and creating ecological ways of cooking. But yeah, if you, um, to really support us, we created um, a crowdfunding campaign on Better Place where um, please visit there and support um, the young people who are starting to or who wish to create backyard gardens, um, support us to redesign and rebuild um, the eco-village, yeah, support us to bring also the knowledge of permaculture into online spaces, supporting teachers who, yeah, who can get paid to, who would get paid to do this, to bring this knowledge um, online so that it can be more accessible. Yeah, more than even before in these times of COVID, of the pandemic, where yeah, it's even more challenging to, to do physical work um, and in the heart of the destruction of, of the community that we are still able to live and survive and that all hope is not gone. Thanks so much to Sunita for taking the time to share the story. And if you'd like to support the rebuilding of Bafut and help the people and communities around it live in safety, we'll put the fundraising link on our social media pages and in the show notes. Please take a minute and give what you can. You can find more episodes of the podcast at genyurup.org slash community podcast and we'll be back next week with a new episode. Thanks for listening. 